discordant perhaps, and yet enthralling. Believe it or not, you're listening to the sounds of an amplified coffin. Along with many more violins and violin-like instruments, this musical oddity is part of the Rosenberg Museum. It's curated by composer and musical maverick John Rose and currently hosted by the Delmar Gallery in Sydney. It's there until April 29th. With mechanical violins, absurd memorabilia, instruments with double and triple necks, just to name a few, it's a collection which you have to see to believe. Hi, I'm Naomi Johnson, and today you're listening to a rather different edition of New Waves. Last year on New Waves, we took a tour of the Rosenberg Collection while it was a residence at Carriageworks as the museum goes live. John says he likes the idea of re-entering history and changing it if you don't like the official line, so weaving fictional narratives around the very real instruments and violin kit on display. At the centre of it all is Dr Johannes Rosenberg, Rose's creative alter ego, whose exploits and adventures give life to many of the items in the collection. Today, we're presented with another insight into Johannes Rosenberg, a radio celebration of the museum made by John along with independent radio presenter Jane Ullman for German radio last year. With voices of audience and fictional characters alike to guide you, I'll take a back seat and let you get to know Dr Rosenberg a little better. Rosenberg Chronicles 2017 on the occasion of the Museum Goes Live. An exhibition featuring the music and artifacts of the Australian composer and violinist Dr. Johannes Rosenberg. <laughs> Biographical information. 1921 born in Wagga Wagga, Australia. 1934 Rosenberg wins the Darwin International Violin Competition and goes on to sweep the world with prizes in the Vienna, Paris and Rome Lotto competitions. I loved it. <laughs> it just completely elevates your whole being to a different place. It was beautiful. 1936 Rosenberg selected to run the 10,000 metres for Australia in the Berlin Olympics. Hello. I am visiting from Germany and I think that the Rosenberg Museum is a little confusing, don't you? I have never seen so many extreme violins. Fantastic. Brilliant. Just, just not a curiosity, but the music was great as well. I prefer the music from Mozart. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's amazing. I don't understand it. It's just enthralling and it's just invigorating. Oh, just beautiful. Very, yeah, amazing. Incredible, yeah. And so began his Japanese period. 1940 leaves Sydney for Hiroshima. 
1940-45, Rosenberg studied Japanese calligraphy, Zen, flower arranging, and became a fighter ace with the Imperial Japanese Air Force carrying out a failed kamikaze dive on the USS Enterprise. The museum is a sort of an exercise in entropy. So material does come into the museum, but mostly it goes out as well. objects as well. So lovely to have all of the visuals as well as the the sound. Just and terrific. The score's pretty amazing to look at. Have you seen the scores? Did you see them? Yeah. <laughs> I like the star. I like the star too. I wondered how they played the star. Yeah. <laughs> Light bulb included in the score. <laughs> 1949, Rosenberg commissioned by Toscanini and the NBC to write a violin concerto which was not used in Walt Disney's Fantasia. In 1951, Rosenberg was not tried as a spy, was not sent to the electric chair. So he formulated plans for the new functional socialist violin concerto based on his unified music relativity theory. It just worked so well. It was like the repeated thing of the lights going on and off combined with all the, the jarring things and that wonderful pastiche at the end with the string quartet. Love it. Yeah, I'm just really, I, I got in here a little bit late, so I didn't get to look at it first, but just getting to look at it now. Yeah. Very exciting. It's, it's kind of hard-hitting in the way that it's adventurous. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Rosenberg discovers the violin playing Payoripea's people on the first of a number of expeditions to Papua New Guinea. In those trying and humid conditions of February 1952, Rosenberg pushed on further into the interior. He had witnessed, amongst the intoxicating sexual wonders of this musical culture, an event that had struck even him as disturbing, not to say odd. That would be the tribe of violin playing Siamese twins, one presumes. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was pushing and challenging and, and yeah, lost for words. <laughs> I was impressed to be taken much further than I was expecting. 1955 Rosenberg is the first violinist to climb Mount Everest. Propose noting more than the consciousness of the people who cannot and will fully will not connect to the undeniable perception in the post-truth world in which music is finished, no more functioning. The museum is wonderful. It seems a shame.
shame that it can't be a permanent museum somewhere. Yeah. It, you know, just the love, the love of, of artifact and music. It's a very, yeah, it's full of a lot of love, the museum. Yeah. 1956 Rosenberg emigrates to the GDR, the former East Germany, wins the Lenin Prize for dialectical music. I wish to complain most strongly. This is not what happened in my country. It is completely untrue. From the, the photos of performances in support of the Berlin Wall, Rassenberg's special stasis accreditation and secret police stamp for border crossing. His final arrest. Untrue. He was simply a state composer. It was like very um, uh, dynamic. The whole thing was incredibly dynamic and exciting, and had to have the lights as sort of performers in themselves. You know, it was, it was great. 1962, in the Great Leap Forward, Rosenberg assists Mao Zedong in the design of the New People's Violin Factories. <laughs> With improviser himself, Mozart, the masses have a potentially inexhaustible enthusiasm for the violin. Those who can only follow the old tunes in a revolutionary period are utterly stupid of hearing this enthusiasm for the new functional violin music, and always have to be given a kick in the backside. 1955. From the socialist upsurge in China's countryside. Alright, those are the quotes by Chairman Mao, and they were really popular. Like, everyone should have one, just like everyone should have a smartphone nowadays. Uh, one is Mao Xuan, Mao Zedong Xuanji, which is like uh, the quotes from Chairman Mao, and the other one is like Xiao Hong Shu, uh, the little red book. Violin use explain. Install battery, please open the black cover. Identify the sign place of battery in the battery box. The violin will working. Uh, reverse have switch key and function key use all together. Have um, I'm, I'm sure it's very logical. <laughs> I think it's glorious, very droll. <laughs> and so is the exhibition. <laughs> oh! Very inventive, isn't it? Oh, I loved it. It was amazing. It was so thrilling. And the cheapest violins mean that you can do a lot with them. And I think Gehanis was the first to realize that the, the potential in the Chinese Republic for massed violin playing, mass violin production, and mass violin suicide. <laughs>
Nicolo Paganini, 17, 82, 18, 40, il più famoso violinista di tutti i tempi e la più bella musica violina con quella che è considerata tecnica virtuosa, soffre di un'erezione permanente negli ultimi anni della sua vita. Questa condizione dolorosa è conosciuta come priapismo. Here is Paganini's penis. It looks as though it's in a jar of preservative formaldehyde and it's still quite large and and it's next to Paganini music, a, a score. Um, Niccolò Paganini suffered from a permanent erection in the last years of his life. This painful condition is known as priopism. Paganini also suffered from syphilis, an enlarged testicle, tuberculosis, and possibly Marlin's syndrome. He wasn't very healthy. Uh, poor Paganini. <laughs> I used to play violin when I was a kid and it's quite surreal actually for me. I haven't sussed it out yet, but I'm really keen to find out what pickups they're using on this thing. I'll have a look at the museum. I didn't even know it was a museum. Like I'm, I'm, I'm running blind here. No, I don't like it at all. This museum is a corruption of values. We're not sure if they think they are real or they think they're unreal or they're real but they're playing an unreal game. 1965 Rosenberg gives violin lessons to the Beatles, earning a sharp rebuke from Ravi Shankar. Oh, that's so last century. It was like things were being eclipsed. It's hard to explain on a radio, but the trigger of light, light and sound, was like the way the brain, the way the synapses work, those sudden connections or disconnections, which I felt I, I responded to that. Yeah, I'm so glad I came and I've got a budding 11-year-old violinist who'll never be the same again. It's very creative. There's a lot of interesting technology here. Didn't realise all the artefacts he's collected. Crazy, completely mad. <laughs> yeah. Good old school of uh, medieval um, avant-garde. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. <laughs> so many Seventy-six, with the demise of live music already evident, NASA invites Rosenberg to assist in the Voyager space program. The 11th Violin Concerto included in the World Culture Package, leaving the solar system in search of other concert venues. It's a bit like religion, the Rosenbergs. You know, we sort of start with something that's a little bit sort of unsure in terms of being hooked into the planet, you know, and then you have to keep forever making up new bullshit to sort of justify it. It's just exactly like Christianity and Judaism and Islam. <laughs> it's like improvising is okay within certain parameters. You have to sort of think, all right, we'll have to change that. Quick, you know, get on the hotline to God. Can we just change that bit? All very well in our age of fake news, but this is... Ugh.
story of the Islamic violin, like most great stories, is based on a true one featuring a street violinist with a foreign look, who put his violin in a bus station left luggage cubicle in Hamilton, Canada. An official of the bus company became suspicious of the violin case and alerted the police. They took the violin out and to the street and blew it up. Wow, there was a huge explosion, like the violin blew up. Such is life. Well, at times very chaotic, but especially when it was chaotic, like I was able to actually focus more very strangely and um, like when they were really really chaotic you know like I, I felt like I was I felt really at peace like it felt really calm like there was like so many sounds but no sound kind of feeling like Rosenberg runs for President of the United States, fails due to gross miscalculation, that year no presidential elections were held. That's what led to all the problems really. But it did have a, there was a moment around about 1989 when Invenzionen Festival in Berlin took the Rosenbergs to heart and uh, there was a, it was a big violin festival and so we actually had finally a legitimate biography of Rosenberg in the back, in the catalogue, along with John Cage and Stockhausen and Berio and all the rest of them. And um, of course, he had the best uh, biography. But he's long dead. It says so here in the catalogue. It's definitely evoked a reaction from me. Yeah, <laughs> and it's very like abrasive. <laughs> I was sweating. I'm still sweating. Nineteen eighty four retires to Australia, giving occasional lectures on the second Viennese School of Composition at the National Sports Academy, Canberra. <laughs> I wish that I saw it when I was learning the violin as a child. It never um, fit me um, neatly physiologically. Yeah, it was always really uncomfortable. The crazy memorabilia. <laughs> this was a challenge. The, the, the tonight was a real challenge that music is not only limited to notes, uh, any, to anything that is related to, to the human being. This proves the love that you have on all those little things that you are collecting during your life, musical life. You know, play something really, really lovely and all of a sudden you just go, bah! and it has a whole connotation, changes the mood completely. It's great. Um, I, I thought it was uh, incredible. It's a great. I love it. Thank you. I love the idea of this museum. <laughs> Especially making it all up. 
well not all of this, it's like partly fictitious and partly real. So clearly all about violins but it definitely has that kind of cabinet of curiosities that you're walking around and the kind of history even to each object it's like all the individual violins and where they came from it's so exciting and what you've got yeah the kamikaze violin over there <laughs> fictitious right yes okay <laughs> it's still one of those things you're like I'm not sure <laughs> but it's it's really great and I love all the, the images everything it just works really really well together The 29th of November 1992, Rosenberg commits suicide 400 kilometers due west of Alice Springs, carrying out as he predicted the logical necessity of the professional violinist in the age of shopping. The final analysis is what do people do with it? If they do something that I personally have not considered, then it's fantastic. And that's, that's how Dr. Joseph Cherish became director of the museum in that he actually discovered the town called Violin in Slovakia. I've yet to be convinced. When the first festival happened, the train station and train were still functioning, so we had a whole celebration there in the waiting room. Uh, so you can imagine all these violins waiting in the waiting room for the train to come. It was kind of special. Meanwhile, there was a, a farmer on a tractor yelling at us in Slovakian to go away and that they hate violins in the town called Violin. Good evening. My name is Dr. Jozef Čeres and I am the former director of the Rosenberg Museum in the Slovakian town of Violin. I have yet to be paid for my working. I am still waiting for my money. Please send it immediately to this address. And the idea, of course, is exactly a Rosenbergian idea, which is you give something away and what happens? The authorities have asked me to read the following. As revealed in the seminal book, The Pink Violin, ISBN number 0646080032, the Australian composer, theoretist and violinist Dr. Johannes Rosenberg predicted that after the demise of communism and capitalism would come the age of shopping. Firstly, an obsession with technical process for its own sake, and, secondly, an art and music world largely empty of content. Thank you and goodbye. That was the Rosenberg Chronicles, created by composer John Rose and independent producer Jane Ullman for German Radio as part of the event The Museum Goes Live at Carriageworks, Sydney in 2017. The Rosenberg Museum is currently in residence at the Delma Gallery at Sydney's Trinity Grammar School. It's there until April 29th, and if you're able to make it along on a Sunday afternoon, there are also free performances, demonstrations and talks at 2pm. Next week on New Waves, we're heading back to Carriageworks to hear two premiere performances as part of Ensemble Offspring's 2017 concert, Who Dreamed It? My thanks to Australian music producer Stephen Adams for his involvement in recording and presenting works from the Museum Goes Live in 2017. And of course to John Rose for his boundless musical energy and creativity. You've been listening to New Waves with me, Naomi Johnson. Thanks for joining me for the ride. 
To finish off the Rosenberg Museum experience, I'll leave you with the coffin music, which we heard at the beginning of the programme. Tester Quincy is playing the amplified coffin, along with John Rose on the violin. (laughs) 